0: Welcome to UnUninformed. I'm Kendall Monette. And this is Sean Seavey. Each week we bring you stories that keep you up to speed and connected to the world around you.
1: We give you news that matters so you don't feel so dumb around your smart friends.
0: Today we're talking with McKay Crookston, the founder of a startup called Give It, a home pickup service for unwanted items that normally you would donate to Goodwill.
1: But first, let's go over the headlines. So Samsung versus Apple. This is a bat- battle that's been going on for quite a while. They've been at each other's throats in the courtroom. But there's been some closure that just happened last week.
0: Wait, just last week? Hasn't this
1: been going on for like ten years? <laughs> I know it seems like it. I, I think this has been going. It seems like this has been going on as long as you know Samsung and Apple have been making smartphones. Um, There were several lawsuits. A lot of it was to do with, like, the design, like, so how it appeared, like the rounded edges of the iPhone, the user interface. Um, Yeah, so Apple sued Samsung. The issue for all of this has been that Samsung should pay for infringing on these patents that uh, Apple had made on these specific parts. And and, and so, you know, when when you sue somebody for a patent infringement, they have to pay a percentage for every thing sold that that violated the patent. So for every uh, Samsung phone that sold, they have to pay Apple a percentage for patent infringement. But what Samsung argued is, yes, we have to pay this, but we should only pay for the small portion of what we violated. So they had arguments on both sides. So an example they used was like, well, if somebody violated how a cup holder was made in a car, As a patent infringement, we shouldn't have to pay for a percentage based off of the entire car. We should just have to worry about the cup holder. And then on the Apple side, they're like, well, but like, for example, like with a VW Beetle, people bought it because of its unique look. And so if you're going to steal that unique look, you're going to pay consequences for the whole thing.
0: Yeah. One is like um, a defining feature of it.
1: Right. And so, yeah.
0: The other one is kind of just something small.
1: Yeah, so article of manufacture was the wording they were, they were going over. Whether it was, does that mean the cup holder or does that mean the whole car?
0: So did they come to a decision on that?
1: So it was unanimous decision that Samsung wins. And sure enough, oh. so yeah, the cup holder side. So they that means instead of them paying like over $500 million to Apple, uh, it, it'll be much less. And that still is to de- be determined by a lower court, but this is the Supreme Court that decided yes. Article of manufacture just means the small part, the cup holder part. But and so, but this is important because this this sets a precedent. So if somebody violates this, they have to worry about only worrying about the individual component. Um, and I, I kind of think like you know what what else might come in the future. Like I I'm surprised and maybe this has already happened. I'm not aware of it. But that uh, that the Google Pixel phone hasn't had a lawsuit with uh, or that Apple hasn't sued the Google Pixel phone because I thought I saw the, the I saw the first commercial for the Pixel and I'm like oh that's an iPhone commercial <laughs> no it was the Google <laughs> Pixel and and the, and there was there were specific things in design like you know round edges and things like that that made it look just like an iPhone so
0: yeah. Well, I remember a few years ago I was reading about this lawsuit I think when it began in in the courts and this was like 2011 or 2012 and there was a whole fold out from from the centerfold magazine fold out of yeah <laughs> of what <laughs> some some dicey details of this lawsuit of who was suing who and it was other phone companies that was involved as well and so it was so many details and just just a big web chart of all of the different back and forths that all the different phone companies were claiming. So it gets really, really complicated really fast. But that is interesting comparing it to cars because you can't just patent something with four wheels that goes forward and backward and turns, you know? Yeah, Well, in the, so, yeah,
1: and we, they don't sell the parts, and that's why this is different. And that's why it was the argument, you know, on the side of, you know, not just the cup holder this isn't the first time they brought up cup holders and things like this like for jailbreaking uh phones there was a lawsuit for that and it's legal now to jailbreak phones good to know yeah yeah but that was only a few years ago before that yeah it it was kind of you know ambiguous but they said it was like a car if you alter a car you're not infringing on any patents or anything you can alter your car after you buy it and so you can jailbreak your phone after you buy it
0: interesting stuff so in other news, um, John Glenn has left the planet again, this time for good. Oh, John Glenn is the 95-year-old, one of the most famous U.S. astronauts, and he died last week. He was a marine pilot in World War II and Korea. He was the first American to orbit the Earth, and he also went back into space. I believe it was in the in the 90s when he was in his 70s. So he was also the oldest person in space and he did a few other things in his life, like serve as a democratic Senator from Ohio. No big deal. Just too much to say that this man was able to do in his life. An amazing man. Watch for stories on him. Um, he lived an
1: amazing life. And, but it seems like, uh, as far as what I've heard on the news so far, they were most, uh, talking about, uh, what he'd done in space. Maybe it's because we could all agree on that. Like, uh, you know, even Democrats or Republicans are pretty excited about space travel, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it seems like he really defined the space era for a lot of people. He was a veteran, he was an astronaut, an all-American hero, and it's awesome to read the stories about his life. Um, Buzz Aldrin, who's another astronaut whose name we know, expressed his condolences from a hospital bed, and so I was... Looking into that story, it looks like they're all getting up there in the years, but it turns out he's only in a hospital bed because of his recent trip to Antarctica. So, so he's pretty <laughs> I intense. He's... I mean, zero gravity yeah, is hard on the still... body.
1: So is uh, freezing cold temperatures.
0: Yeah, Buzz Aldrin is still going hard at life. So.
1: And now here's an issue that's uh, kind of a national and a local thing. Um, It's about the American Cancer Society, which is national, but I went to the Utah chapter of the American Cancer Society, and this was specifically called the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network. Um, So that acronym is ACSCAN. So basically for this event I went to, they, they get volunteers, most of which have been directly affected by cancer. They get them to be lobbyists for the government to pass legislation to help cancer victims, um, things that are in their interest. So Jen Tishner was the one in charge of the Utah chapter, and uh, let's list, listen to what she said at the event that I was sitting in for.
2: You know that we are not going to rest until we find a cure for cancer. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. <clears throat> but the only way that you know that is if we speak up and share our voice. And I think especially... You know, these past few months, people have felt very deflated and how can I make a difference in the world. This is one of the ways. So I really hope you join us. It's not about um, having to use all your time. It's just when you're available. So making a difference doesn't mean that you have to spend all your time volunteering. So it's wonderful. So that's the power of volunteering, is taking little actions and having huge rewards legislators hear numbers they need to hear from you guys they need to hear
1: from you guys so i talked to jessica fife who was a university student who volunteered to make this event happen Um, and here's what she had to say about the event okay so tell us why you're here how you got involved with acs camp
2: Okay, so we have had an amazing night tonight. Tonight has been truly inspiring in seeing all these volunteers come together and seeing all these people who have given so much of their time and their talents to give back to cancer patients. So we are here, we are BYU students, and we've had the awesome opportunity in helping out and plan this wonderful event. And so it's been amazing for me to see how life is really fragile. But when one person gives of themselves, it makes life more meaningful. And that's what all these volunteers here tonight have shown me. And we're excited to see what the future holds for ACS CAN and to continue volunteering with this wonderful organization.
1: And it was a cool event. And uh, I was fortunate enough to talk to Jen Tishner, who you you heard that in that first clip. Um, and she's such a motivational person. It, uh, it makes me want to uh, help out. So here's my short little interview with her. Okay, first thing is, tell me the current state of the government as far as cancer research and things with, pertaining to cancer.
2: So in Utah, you know, we're making great strides, but there's always more strides that need to happen. Um, every year we are defending funding for cancer research and appropriations, especially for getting funding for the health departments to make sure that there's going to be jobs for people as far as uh, health promotions and providing programs for people who cannot afford to get screenings for cancer. So we work on that every year. And as we know, know, the government has so many bills coming across their desk all the time every year. And some of those bills are going to help cancer patients, and some are going to unintentionally hurt cancer patients. So we keep our you know, fingers on the pulse of that all the time to see what's happening. And this next session is going to be very heavily tobacco-related.
1: Tell me a little bit how you first got involved with uh, ACS CAN.
2: Sure. So I used to work at the Utah County Health Department as a health educator, and my job was to start a youth group and make outdoor places smoke-free. So they said, okay, go. So that was my first job out of college. And um, after we made all the parks in Utah County smoke-free through working with teenagers and doing legislation, uh, we were working on some, it's called other tobacco products. And basically they are tobacco products that look like Tic Tacs and Listerine strips, which is used to get youth to start tobacco usage. Really? Yes. So we were working, actually, we started working with ACS CAN and going with them to the legislature and, you know, getting my youth involved, my youth group involved in that. Youth group's called Outrage. And uh, I got recruited to apply for this job. So I got headhunted. So, <laughs> That's Yeah, and so I decided to take the jump and apply for the job, and I've been here five and a half years. Wow.
1: Um, so what would you recommend for people to get more involved with things like this, uh, advocating for, uh, people who have cancer and things like that?
2: Yeah. So I think the best thing to do is I give my cell phone number out to everybody, uh, because I think that's the best way to get started. My cell number is 801-318-9735. That's how much I care about my <laughs> yes. job. And they can also email me at Jenny.Tishler, T as in Tom, I-S-C-H-L-E-R at cancer.org. They can also like us on Facebook, which is uh, Utah. I can't remember what our Facebook link is right now.
1: And then the webpage is? Yeah,
2: acscan.org slash UT. And we just redid our whole national website. We're located in every single state and nationally run. So, you know, when we go to D.C. in September, there's over 600 advocates, and we all wear blue polo shirts, which are kind of ugly. But the point is we're all on the Hill together, and all of us are advocating together. And this past September, the ask that everyone was doing was to tell their senator to talk to Senator Hatch from Utah to support this colonoscopy loophole bill. So we actually are in a position that um we really need utah support and utahans to speak out about this really important colonoscopy bill where there's a loophole which you know we you and i can talk about when we get together for a yeah, yeah, 20-minute sure. conversation that'd be cool um because there's specific steps that people can take that are really easy such as posting on instagram and you know, liking our statuses, sending emails that are already pre-populated for them, people really feel like one, their voice doesn't matter and two, they hate the government. And to them I say, I don't like the government anyway, but do you like cancer? No, do you want to make a difference? Yes, then this is the venue that we work through to work towards change. And you don't have a voice if you don't do anything. So let's stop complaining and let's start working together to make a change and we have been able to make so many changes in utah with acs can that are tangible that are amazing so i just offer you know anyone who wants to get involved in any way give me a call take you out for ice cream or you know dinner and just tell you what we're about and see where you're at and and you know see if you want to get involved even once per year um the best part of my job yes passing legislation is awesome but empowering individuals to see that their story is important is what is the best part of my job is a, to a show that people have a voice and their voice matters because I've seen it happen.
1: That's fantastic. So I'll probably uh, see you on February 17th when you go to the Capitol and, and advocate for uh, your cause. Hey, thanks, thanks for talking.
2: Yeah, thanks so much. And thanks for coming. And I'll be uh, sure be taking you out for ice cream and chatting with you about volunteering as well. Yes, that's
1: great. <laughs> So I already t- talked to Jen about this, and uh, she's happy to uh, do a story when they, a story on this when they do the march on at, at the Utah State Capitol on February 17th, where they advocate for these cancer issues. So um, that'll be kind of exciting, um, and uh, we'll be there on the floor, being right there on the front lines, uh, advocating for cancer rights. You know. <laughs>
0: That'll be perfect. And tell her if she wants to um, buy me a ticket, I'll go with them to D.C. to do some more lobbying there.
1: <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I'll put in a good word after I have ice cream with her.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Well, perfect. So last little um, headline I wanted to bring you guys is an industry update for the solar industry, most notably here in Utah.
1: That's your so industry. Every... Yeah. That's
0: right. I work in solar. And we had an interesting month recently. The biggest power company here in Utah, Rocky Mountain Power, proposed a rate hike that would increase the power bills of solar customers by an average of something like over 50 dollars oh, really? each month. Yeah. And um, we've seen this in the industry a lot. Vegas did it. Um, NV Energy, Nevada Energy did a, a really a really aggressive rate hike a few years ago, and tried to make it retroactive, actually, to people who already had solar installed. Oh, that installed suck. In their home.
1: <laughs> retroactive yeah, is the yeah. worst thing and, ever.
0: Yeah, and that did not pass. So um, Rocky Mountain Power was um, trying to do this. It was touted as the biggest increase on solar customers ever, very aggressive, and it did not pass. So that's good news for people who still want solar. I'm not doing a sales pitch, though. I just wanted to get the word out that um, if you've heard about this for the time being, solar is safe. Um, At my company, we've talked a lot about what the Trump presidency brings. And honestly, the slightest change in regulation could really change a ton for people who can afford solar, who won't be able to afford solar in the future, who will be able to, you know, it's just, we'll have to see what happens. And so if in your area, if you see interesting news about that, let us know, comment on our page. And um, that would be fun for us to look into. I'm always uh, looking for more stories in the solar industry.
1: Well, yeah, and I, I know this is quite relevant in Utah. We have some of the cheapest power in the nation, particularly where your company is, Kendall, because we have so much coal and it's cheap. Are we going to see uh, things change uh, with the tug-of-war between coal and renewables?
0: It's interesting, some of the economics there. It's, um, there's a big argument on the consumer side for solar, but especially with um tax credit incentives, but there's also the jobs argument with coal and people say there's a lot of jobs in coal. I don't know anybody who works in coal. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But they're all in the middle in of their.
1: nowhere jobs, so yeah. I think so.
0: so we'll see how things play out.
1: Yeah. And now for our main story.
0: McKay Crookston is the founder of a company called Give It, where people can get rid of their junk in minutes by using an app. He was awarded as one of the top five entrepreneurs in the nation in a competition called One in a Million. The basic idea behind Give It is that you can take a picture of the items that you don't want anymore, put it on your porch, and someone will come and pick it up.
1: So basically, it's a thrift store on your cell phone. There you go. Welcome to Uninformed uninformed McKay.
0: Thank you. Thanks for joining us. So my first question was... Um, Tell us a little bit about your app, Give It, and the company, and how did you get into this? What's uh, your background, and what led you to develop this?
3: Great questions. Uh, there's a few there. Um, let me start out with telling a little bit about myself, my background. I have been an entrepreneur at heart since I was a kid. Um, I, I've always had this dream and ambition of building something and doing something great and, and helping other people. Um, and for most of my career, I've been in the it world doing back end networks and servers and stuff. And that was kind of fun. But a couple of years ago, I got introduced to an individual, uh, a really big entrepreneur here in the Salt Lake area by the name of John Richards. And he really encouraged, uh, me to, to do something bigger and better than myself. And so I really had a hard look and I, I said, you know what, I love it, but, you can only do so much with it and I want to do something big and so we started looking at doing uh, actually a classified ad system sort of what it was is it like be a multi-poster so you could uh, when you go to sell something you could just post it with the app and it would take like 10 seconds and it would go up and post it to ksl and post it to craigslist and Virage Sale, and all these different sites to kind of maximize your exposure and then when you sold it you you hit sold and would pull it all down. And going through the validation process and talking to customers and talking to people, uh, they really told us that, yeah, that's kind of cool. But but what we really want is what do we do with the stuff that doesn't sell? Or even bigger, what we heard is I don't even want to bother selling it. I just want it gone. <laughs> like I, it's, it's like in my life, it's in my house, and I don't want to mess with it. Like just I want to help someone else and just get it out of my hair for me. That's how so I feel. Said, I hate
0: using Craigslist. Really? I hate haggling <laughs> with people. Yeah. <laughs> just get rid of it.
3: Yeah, you're totally not alone. And so many people feel that way. They're like, look, I know it's got value, but really it's not worth that $10. And the haggling, like you said, like people hate it, like texting back and forth. So we said, look, let's just mm-hmm. build this app where it takes less than 10 seconds to post it. And all you have to do is you put it on your doorstep And it disappears. So it's kind of like a magic go away button. And that's kind of like what we like to think of it is you just, you know, you walk around your house and go beep, beep, beep. And the stuff just poofs and disappears. Uh, And that's, that's kind of what we've done and built. And people love it because when they get rid of it, they know it's going somewhere good and they're doing more good in the world. And that's exciting to me. It's so exciting to know that I am behind something, building something that is helping other people world and it's helping people receive that goodness.
1: Wow. So tell us kind of from what you've seen, what is the current state of junk in people's homes around the nation?
3: Well, junk is, you know, there's that saying, you know, one man's junk is another man's treasure. Uh, it's kind of subjective. You know, I go into some house and I go, Holy cow, they've got so much junk. Uh, but if you ask them, like, no, 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 these are, I would never give this stuff up. Uh, but we, we live in such an abundant society and we're so blessed and we have so much stuff and, and we're, we're so consumer based and we buy and buy and buy and we consume all this stuff. And, uh, it, the EPA estimates that over 60% of the stuff that we send to landfills is reusable. Really? Um, just textiles alone. We in America, and this is like blow your mind figure, 85% of all textiles, so textiles are clothes, they're shoes, personal accessories, anything kind of made out of a material, 85% of it we throw away every year. And that equates to 25 billion pounds of clothing that we're sending to the landfill when so much of this, over 95% of it can be reused, resold, or recycled every year i'm trying to imagine
1: how big that is but i kind of (laughs) can't
3: it's it's crazy right um it's a ton like billions of pounds (laughs) that we just throw away and when i learned this i'm like why why is this why are we throwing it away like because we we all know that there's people in these developing countries that could use these clothes and that want these clothes and we even hear and see the uh, you know we listen to podcasts or we see these TV commercials, these poor little kids in these developing countries and how starving they are and how much help they need. And, you know, we hear of Goodwill and we hear of uh, Salvation Army and uh, Desiree Industries where they are getting these clothes to these other people. But yet, 85% were still thrown away. I thought, why is that? Why are we throwing it away? And and in talking to people, I found out why. And it's it's really – Comes down to convenience. We throw stuff away because it's convenient. It's like super convenient to throw stuff away. If you got a bag of clothes and you go and go, I'm going to donate this, I'm going to do good, you stick it in your trunk and you drive around town with it for like three months and you never donate it. And then you're getting ready to go on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Then, like, your wife's like, hey, let's go on vacation. You, You open up the trunk, you're like, oh man, I still got these donations. You're like what am i going to do with them and and you just throw them away because you, you, you need your trunk space for something else now um and why is that why why is don why does donating have to be so hard why do i have to take it and take it down to a thrift store or take it to a donation bin or uh and there are pickup services that exist but you know on average they're about 10 days out um or you have to wait for them to call you or wait for them to send you a postcard saying we'll be by your house pick it up next tuesday um, and I thought, let's fix this. What if we had that app and all you have to do is snap a photo of it on your porch, um, and it'll detect your address. And then they come pick it up like same day, or maybe next day, like when, whenever works for you. And then there's no communication. There's no like, Hey, well, would this work or there's no back <laughs> and forth. It's just
1: the Craigslist. Done. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Right? right. And so that's what we built and it's, it's been phenomenal. And, people love it and it's it's taking that convenience of donating and putting it into the equation and that's what's making it work
0: that's amazing um, we kind of wanted to ask a little bit more about the specifics of how the pickup service works and um, how do you make money with it I mean I know a lot of your business model obviously you want to not divulge the details but you're you're aiming at making a profit with with this business and this app. How how do you go about setting things up in that way?
3: Yeah, so it's really simple, and it's a lot of people. Um, when when you talk to people, you say, you know, uh, when you donate that bag of clothes, where does it end up? Like, oh, well, you know, I, I give it to this charity or whatever, and and then they take it and they ship it over to these. Developing countries and then they give it away. And that's just not true. That's not what happens. Um, 75% of everything that is donated in the US, so we're talking Goodwill, Salvation Army, Deseret Industries, all these thrift stores, big or small, 75% of it, they end up bundling up and they sell it to these developing countries. They don't donate it, they don't give up for free. Really? So, only 25% stays in the U S the other 75 is sold to developing countries and it's a commodity.
1: Um, yeah, I just thought that they were just, uh, yeah, (laughs) um, donated, but, um, now, now it's kind of a, a different thing. So is it, is it sold because if it's just given, it's not really appreciated, not really used well. Is it something to do with that?
3: Sure, that's part of it, but if we go back to economics 101, uh, if you flood any economy with free stuff, what happens to the economy?
0: Well, it can harm local producers.
3: Yeah, it's it's not a good thing. And now, if we just sent like a bag of clothes, you know, that wouldn't do any harm because uh, it's so small. But when you're talking about the volume of clothes that are being sent to these developing countries, we're talking about millions of pounds. And you you flood that, it's just going to destroy the economy. Uh, But the other thing, and here's where it's really cool, is what these people do in these developing countries is they, they run their own little thrift stores or their own little shops or a little flea market. They'll buy one of these big bales of clothing or lots of them, and they take them and they buy them, and now they're creating jobs for them in their little shops, creating a life that people otherwise wouldn't have, because without this, there's just not those jobs. So by donating your clothes, it's helping spin up additional work and and helping these economies create jobs, create work, and providing resources that they otherwise wouldn't have. Uh, And here's a really interesting thing. They, frankly, would rather have secondhand clothing from the U.S., than firsthand from China because the quality is so poor from what they can get from China.
1: No kidding. I had no idea.
3: You're talking about how
1: this can benefit um, third world economies, um, developing countries. Um, But I also know that you do a lot to help people here uh, domestically um, in helping people. I I was just barely, I've actually used this app uh, just a few minutes ago and it has um, something to do with, it's called uh, Santa's, um, what was it called? Uh,
2: Startup, Startup Santa. Santa.
1: Yeah, yeah, Startup yeah. Santa. Um, and that's kind of your opportunity to help people in need here in the U.S. Tell, tell us a little bit
3: about that. Yeah, so Startup Santa is a really fun program. It is specific to Utah. And what we've partnered up with Beehive Startups, Silicon Slopes, and several other companies uh, companies united way is another big one that is working on this with us and what we found is that what the united way is or what they've found rather is in utah uh in low-income families third graders two out of three of them do not read at a proficient level and a big part of this a big cause, is that they don't have the books in the houses um, in fact, in low-income families in Utah, there is one book for every 300 kids.
1: Wait, so that's like – I mean I'm just imagining an apartment complex. Well, like five apartment complexes, there would be 300 kids. There would be one children's book among all those people? Yes.
3: Yeah, like you, you hear you hear it and you're like, no, that can't be right. But it is. Like you just you can't. It, it's just such a problem. And, you know, here, here are these kids. They are the future, and we're dependent on them for helping create the future, yet they don't even have the basic skill set or the basic tools to learn how to read. Learn how to read proficiently. How are they going to educate and, and get the skill set they need? Um, and it's a problem. It, it, it's, it's amazing, right? Yeah. 300 kids to one book. Uh, while in middle-income houses, it's 12 books for every one child. Wow. So there's a huge discrepancy there. And where GiveIt comes in is we, for this year, and the competition's over, but what we did this year is we put it in our app. So if anyone had children's books they wanted to donate, they could just go through our app, donate it, and we'd come pick it up right from their doorstep so they could help participate without having to be involved with one of the companies that was doing the drive.
1: So yeah. so basically, they've got an app. Uh, I mean, they're using your app to donate books to people that need it all over the place.
3: Yep, and uh, we so far today, I think we've got over eighty thousand books that have been donated across Utah.
1: That's fantastic! Wow, that definitely is going to help that three hundred some odd kids that don't have books. That's fantastic.
3: Absolutely. And the, the reason why we got involved with Startup Santa is because we love helping people. We love doing good in the world and helping people do more good. And we saw this as an opportunity to help people locally and a real problem that we have.
0: Great. So I guess in closing, um, if you had one takeaway that you wanted people to get from listening to this, what would it be?
3: Don't throw your clothes away. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There's an easy way to do it. When you use Give It, um, you can do so much good in the world with very, very little effort. My favorite testimonial today is using Give It is easier than throwing it away. And, and it is. You put it on your porch. You take a picture of it and it's gone. You don't have to wait for the garbage man to come. You don't have to load up your car. You don't have to do anything. It's just gone. Uh, the other big thing is that um, there's this big misconception with used clothing that oh it's stained or it's a little bit torn uh you can still donate that stuff because what happens is when it gets sorted the sorters they see that and they put it into a recycled pile and there's still value in it as a recycled material so even if you think like nobody would want this old shirt i'm just gonna throw away still donate it because it will still get into that channel and it will be dealt with properly and responsibly
1: wow thank you mckay uh now you mentioned things are going to get big soon. Uh, <laughs> um, thing, you're seeing a lot of good opportunities in the future. Is that is that right?
3: Yeah. So we we launched here in Utah just uh, a little over a year ago, and we're we're just being very methodical about how we grow, making sure that we prove out our systems, and so as we continue to scale it, it will scale appropriately and go. Uh, But we very much see this going nationwide.
1: That's fantastic. We're glad we could get to you before CNN or all those other cable channels. Um, So, uh, McKay Crookston, thank you for joining us.
3: Yeah, not a problem. And people can go to GiveItDonation.com. They can learn more about us there. They can download our app. We're on Apple and Android and 10 seconds to donate your used
1: goods. I just did it. it. I just gave away uh, shoes and uh, some shirts. So, uh, yeah, and I just used the app. It was was fantastic. It was uh, quick, and, uh, yeah, it's in the bag ready to go. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the episode, subscribe to our show on your podcast app so you can catch every episode.
0: In case you don't know how to do that, on iPhones, there's a podcast app automatically on your phone. I think it's the purple one. Yep. So you can subscribe to us there if you're an Apple user. If you have an Android, there are multiple podcast apps that also pull from iTunes, so you can find us on any of those. My personal favorite is one called Pocket Casts. I have mine set so it auto-downloads podcasts when I'm on Wi-Fi, and then it auto-deletes episodes once I've listened to them. Sean, what do you use?
1: Well, I have the podcast app, but uh, Kendall, you kind of indoctrinated me for podcasts. You have to pay for it, like five bucks, right?
0: Yeah, it's like three or four bucks, and it's just one time. And I love their user interface.
1: Yeah, um, the the iOS one is okay. It's kind of confusing, um, especially when you uh, have to navigate trying to like rate the app and things like that that sometimes it's hard to figure out how to subscribe either either way um listening on a device is uh preferable over just going to the website because uh you're a little more connected and uh we like our audience
0: our theme music is provided with permission by dd dumbo and thank you each so much for listening your support really keeps us going this has been uninformed with kendall monette
1: and i'm sean cv and don't forget to like our page on Facebook so you can see every episode there. Um, or visit us at un-uninformed.com. That's un-uninformed.com.
0: Thanks, guys.